All right, up next is a poet whom I know you're all familiar with. You might have read her in high school before, or of course you've heard of her and her, you know, great success as a poet, but um, certainly a lot goes misunderstood with Anne Sexton. And again, she is one poet whom um, has influenced me quite a bit in, in my own writings, but one who you can absolutely appreciate her contributions and just uh, the greatness of her poetry, the the poise, yet the really the peril that she feels and, and her confessional pieces too. So there's so much to say about Anne Sexton. We'll just focus on the couple of poems that are in here right now, and I'll give you a brief background so that if you haven't read into her enough in the past couple years, you have enough supplemental material to kind of help you with that. So um, poet, playwright, she's born in Massachusetts. Um, in November of 1928, she's raised in a comfortable middle-class environment in Weston, Massachusetts, and, uh, she has a summer compound with her family in Maine, but from the time she was younger, she was never at ease with kind of the life that was laid out for her. Her father was an alcoholic. Her mother, who was actually very, um, very well gifted at writing, you know, had a hard time doing that because of her family life, and, Anne Sexton really took refuge from all the craziness of her family in her close relationship with whom she called Nana, who was actually her great aunt who lived with the family when she was growing up. So some biographers have recounted, you know, there have been claims that there was some possible sexual abuse by Anne Sexton's parents during her childhood, but regardless, um, she felt her parents were very hostile to her and Later on, she feared they might abandon her. Her aunt's later breakdown and hospitalizations also traumatized her. So a lot of this, too, some scholars have gone back and contributed to different genetic factors that have led Anne Sexton to sort of her end that she kind of met up. But she hated school. <laughs> she had a hard time concentrating. She was not disciplined. Her parents sought counseling for her. Um didn't seek the advice they they sent her to a place called Rogers Hall which was a boarding school in Massachusetts that's where she began to write poetry and to act after graduation she briefly attended what she called was sort of a finishing school um she's absolutely beautiful and her sense of kind of being daring attracted many men and at 19 she actually eloped with Alfred Sexton II even though she was engaged to someone else at the same time. So they followed years of living as college student newlyweds. Sometimes they live with their parents, sometimes not. Um, she became a fashion model for just, you know, some time for some money in between. But it was her infidelities during her husband's absence when he was traveling for service. He was stationed in Korea. Um, that actually led her to enter therapy. She gave birth to a daughter in 1953, and then he took he came back from Korea, her husband, and took a job as a traveling salesman in her father's business. But she was very depressed after the death of her great aunt in 1954, and very depressed after the birth of her second daughter in 55 that she went back into therapy. But her depression worsened, and at times, especially when her husband was gone, she was verbally or sometimes even physically abusive to her children. She made several different attempts at suicide, which led to her being institutionalized, and her parents didn't disapprove of that. They didn't think anything was wrong. But it was during these years that Anne Sexton's therapist encouraged her to write. So she began to join several different writing groups, some of them in Boston. 
that's how she started to know writers such as Robert Lowell and Sylvia Plath, whom she was great friends. Um, a lot of people don't realize she was very good friends with both. Her poetry came pretty much, you know, central to her life, and she was a master at recognizing formal techniques. Um, her poems received really good reviews. Some poems, such as You, Dr. Martin, The Bells, and Double Image, have often been anthologized. Um, she's categorized with the confessional poets that we've looked at before. And she's really able, when you read her poetry, you're very convinced that the poems are echoing her life. And not only was it excellent poetry and writing, but it was it was so meaningful for people who were also going through the same thing, who didn't get to read about them before. Uh, in 1959, she unexpectedly lost both of her parents. And the memory of and just the recollection of those difficult relationships led to more breakdowns for her. And really during this time, poetry was like her only sense of stability. Um, she made different friendships through art, uh, sometimes which led to different affairs that she had. Her marriage was really much torn up by a lot of you know abuse, both physical and verbal, as her husband kind of saw her as sort of the celebrity figure that she became in writing. Um, in 1962, she published All My Pretty Ones, which was um, a great success. So popular, her poetry became in England that an edition of Selected Poems was published there as a book selection in 1964. In 1967, she received the Pulitzer Prize for Live or Die. And um, she also received honors such as the Frost Fellowship to the Breadloaf Writers Conference, which is one of the most prestigious writing conferences that you can attend still to this day. She also received the Radcliffe Institute Fellowship, the Levinson Prize, Academy of Arts and Letters Traveling Fellowship, um, gave many readings, and then a Guggenheim Fellowship, Ford Fellowships, and professorships at Colgate and Boston University. So her reputation as a poet kind of peaked with uh, in 1969 with love poems and also with an off-Broadway production of her play. A lot of people don't realize she was also a playwright of Mercy Street in 1969. What still gets read most often today is the publication of prose poems and transformations. It's iconically her most feminist work and they certainly speak to a different type of reader because now it's less confessional and more critical of cultural practices so that was sort of unheard of for the time including for her persona in 63 she goes back and travels to europe and in 1966 she's still with her husband they go on an african safari in 1970 she helps him start a business of his own after he had broke with her father's former company but even though she sort of seemed very confident in public, she was so dependent on therapists, medication, her friends, uh, reportedly many outside lovers outside of her marriage. And between these depressive bouts and these different states that she would come in out of, the multiple suicide attempts, you know, people were uneasy around her. She told her husband finally in 1973 that she wanted a divorce. And it was around this time that there was a huge decline in her health and stability. And she began drinking a lot too. She was at this point very much estranged from a lot of her former friends and became difficult to deal with. And, you know, she became kind of nervous about her poetry. She knew readers didn't like, you know, sort of 
religious poetry with more personal themes. Um, no one wanted to hear sort of all about that. It, she didn't want it to be sort of a spewing of her life. Readings had always terrified her, but she always had people there with her that she kind of could force herself to go up on stage. Um, in 1972, she publishes The Book of Folly, and then in 1974, very ominously titled The Death Notebooks. Later that year, she completes The Awful Rowing Towards God, and that ends up being published um, posthumously because it's in um, these lyrics, too, when she's divorced and living by herself, searching for who knows what. She's continuing with her psychotherapy, um, but it's in October 1974 that she uh, locks herself into her car and asphyxiates herself with carbon monoxide in her garage. So it's it's really such a sad sort of ending for her. Um, very posthumously collections of her work that also came published were 45 Mercy Street, Words for Dr. Y and Collected Poems, both edited by um, by some of her friends and family members. And she wrote important essays about poetry, and she made such great insights uh, during her many interviews and comments that she made. And she understood poetry very much. She, you know, much of what she wrote was not necessarily autobiographical, despite it seeming, like, very realistic. But it's so confessional, and it can be misleading. Really, she wrote about her knowledge of what was going on in human life, which was sometimes painful, sometimes happy. And she just wanted to create poems that readers could share. So there are so many metaphors in her pieces, so many unexpected rhymes in her verse, um, so much preciseness in her words. She is a true writer, uh, a true accomplished writer, so successful as what her art form. And that's really what has secured her such her reputation as uh, one of the greatest poets of this time. So I know you will have a ton of different sort of um, links and supplemental materials on here. You can listen. Oh, you 